Good morning. I'm Jordan Marie Smith from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 4th. In today's news, as Texas and Mississippi move to open 100 percent and lift mask mandates, health officials warn it's still too early. And reasons you're tired of Zoom calls and what to do about it. But first, the big idea. New York Governor Andrew M. Cuomo said Wednesday that he would not resign in the face of a growing sexual harassment scandal, instead asking New Yorkers to wait for a full investigation of his behavior. The Post, Michael Scherer, and Joss Dossie report Cuomo also offered a more expansive apology to the women who he acknowledged he had hurt. Quote, I have learned from what has been an incredibly difficult situation for me as well as other people, he said. Quote, I have learned an important lesson. I am sorry. I am sorry for whatever pain I have caused anyone. I never intended it. The 63-year-old Democrat maintained that he had never touched any woman, quote, inappropriately, but admitted that his behavior had caused harm in ways he said he did not recognize at the time. Quote, it was unintentional and I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful about it. And frankly, I am embarrassed by it, and that is not easy to say, but that is the truth. He said he would not step back from his official duties despite his mistakes. Quote, I'm not going to resign, he said. I work for the people of the state of New York. They elected me. The three-term governor had faced increasing pressure for more than a week after two women he worked with alleged he had sexually harassed them, accounts that were at least partially backed up by records. Advisors have said that they believe he can weather the scandal if no more women come forward. They also have said Cuomo can stay if the independent investigation by Attorney General Letitia James, a Democrat, fails to show anything more damning than what has been alleged so far. Calls for a harassment investigation arose in late February when his former executive assistant Charlotte Bennett told the New York Times that the governor asked her in the spring of 2020 about her sex life asked if she had slept with older men and told her that he would be interested in relationships with women in their 20s. She said she gave a statement about the interaction with a special counsel to the governor and showed the New York Times text messages discussing Cuomo's behavior. She voluntarily moved to another job in the Cuomo administration, but said she later left government service because of the anger she felt over what had happened. Bennett's allegations followed claims by a former New York economic development official, Lindsay Boylan, who said that Cuomo harassed her on multiple occasions, including one incident where he kissed her without her consent. Cuomo's advisors said Boylan's claims were untrue, and Cuomo released a statement saying he never, quote, inappropriately touched anybody. But in response to Bennett's claims, the governor released a statement saying that he had a habit of joking with people in public and private, about their personal lives as part of an, quote, attempt to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. A third woman Monday posted an account of an unwelcome encounter with Cuomo at a 2019 wedding in which he touched her back and when she removed his hand, clasped her face, kissed her, and called her aggressive. Unlike the others, Anna Rush was not a government employee working with Cuomo. 
Cuomo said that he typically greeted people with hugs and kisses and pointed to existing photographs of this behavior as evidence that he had no ill intent. Quote, you can find hundreds of pictures of me kissing, he said. It is my way of greeting people. He noted that it was also a habit of his father, former New York governor Mario Cuomo. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. On Tuesday, Texas's Republican Governor Greg Abbott ended his state's mask mandate and boasted in all caps on Twitter that, quote, Texas is open, 100 percent, everything. But public health experts and local officials in Texas and in Mississippi, where that state's Republican Governor Tate Reeves announced similar plans on Tuesday, had a starkly different message for residents. Wear masks anyway and keep practicing social distancing. The Post's Katie Shepard reports that the backlash against Abbott's and Reeves' moves is fueled by concerns that they might set back the battle against the coronavirus. The drop in new cases stalled this week, and there are worries that highly transmissible new variants of the coronavirus could keep the pandemic from significantly ebbing until summer at the earliest. With both Texas and Mississippi still in the top 10 deaths per capita among U.S. states, health officials warned that easing restrictions before vaccines have been widely distributed could cause another spike in cases and deaths. Quote, it's still too early, Dallas's county health director Philip Wong said Tuesday, the Dallas Morning News reported. Quote, we'd all love to get back to normal, but it's not the time to relax. The moves to reopen Texas and Mississippi are the latest flashpoints between politicians, particularly in the GOP, pushing for a return to normal and experts who say the pandemic is not yet over. Some other states, including Iowa and Montana, lifted mass mandates last month. Even Democratic-controlled states hit hard by the pandemic have recently moved to lessen restrictions, with New York allowing stadiums to host concerts and California permitting indoor dining in many counties. Abbott on Tuesday issued an executive order allowing Texas businesses to operate at full capacity and revoking a statewide mask mandate. The order also curtailed local officials' ability to impose tougher restrictions in their communities. By barring countywide mask mandates and removing jail time and other penalties for those who do not follow local coronavirus rules, existing restrictions will be lifted March 10th, according to the order. The numbers of new daily cases and deaths are down from record peaks this winter in both states. Texas has reported more than 2.6 million cases and more than 43,000 deaths since the start of the pandemic. Mississippi has reported more than 295,000 cases and more than 6,500 deaths over the same period. However, many experts said both states are still in dangerous territory. Several major companies in Texas, including Macy's and Target, said they would continue requiring masks in their businesses despite Abbott's order. Number two, Jeremy Balenson was exhausted. It was a Friday in late March, and he had just finished his full week working from home during the coronavirus pandemic. The Post, Paulina Ferrozzi and Allison Chu report that these were nine-hour days spent glued to a laptop in a spare bedroom of his house. Then, a reporter asked him to jump on another video call for an interview. He thought to himself, why does this need to happen on video? 
Now he's published a paper outlining why video chats may exact such a mental toll and suggesting how you can reduce fatigue. The peer-reviewed article was published last month in the American Psychological Association's Technology Mind and Behavior Journal. It says there are four possible reasons for so-called Zoom fatigue. Here's why video calls can be exhausting. The paper says that there's an excessive amount of direct eye gaze as people look at other people's faces close up. It's unnatural and not what people should typically do in an in-person meeting. During a video call, everyone is often staring at the speaker and the listeners, whereas in person, some people may glance at their notes or lean over to a colleague for a side conversation. There's also the constant self-evaluation. Seeing our own faces and gestures several hours a day on video is stressful and taxing, Balenson said. Imagine if someone followed you around with a mirror during the workday. Video chats also cut down on people's ability to be mobile. Instead of walking and talking like you might be able to do during a phone call, video chats mostly force participants to stay in a fixed position. Sherry Byrne-Haber, an accessibility advocate, says her own disabilities have exacerbated her, quote, Zoom fatigue. Byrne-Haber uses a wheelchair and has moderate hearing loss, among other disabilities. Because she has to focus more intently on people's faces during video calls to read lips, it increases her cognitive load, she said. Here are some tips to reduce Zoom fatigue. Two easy potential fixes are hiding self-screen and minimizing the video call screen, Balenson said. On Zoom, for instance, you can right-click your video display and select the Hide Myself option, which removes self-view but allows others in the meeting to still see you. Meeting hosts should also give people breaks to look away from their screen during video calls, said Susan Song. Song is an associate professor of psychiatry at George Washington University who is not involved in the research. Whenever she is running a group call, she said, she asks attendees to take 30 seconds or a minute to look around the room they're in and count the numbers of corners they see. While these tips may help alleviate the effects of, quote, Zoom fatigue, Balenson urged people to remember video calls aren't the only effective way to communicate. That's The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 4th. I'm Jordan Marie Smith. Thanks for listening.